Tennis and contraltos, let me hear ya.
want to talk for a few minutes from the subject because he said so. Because he said so. This text is Luke's account of Jesus' first encounter with Simon, the one that he would later call Peter. It's very different from the account recorded by John. In John 1, 42 through 44, it is recorded that Simon was brought to Jesus as a result of the testimony of his brother Andrew, who was a disciple of John the Baptist and had spent some quality time with Jesus. But Luke's version is very different, but it is no less inspiring, and it is very worthy of our attention. Luke's account places greater emphasis on Simon's willingness to obey Jesus when conditions suggested that there was no point in doing so. In this passage, we are invited to see the benefit of spiritual growth that comes from an awareness of and submission to divine authority. Know this, my brothers and sisters, spiritual growth is one of the most meaningful experiences we can have in life but it is often discounted in favor of the more tangible, though less important types of growth that we may experience. As a people that desire to be upwardly mobile, we are devoted to personal growth. We're devoted to physical growth and intellectual growth. We're devoted to economic and social and political growth. And all of these are important. But without question, spiritual growth is most important to our personal fulfillment. See, at our core, we are spiritual creatures. We are set apart from the rest of creation. All other creatures were called into existence, but we were shaped by God's own hand. We were animated by God's own breath, and we became living souls. It is our spiritual component that makes us eternal. That which is physical will return to the dust from which it came. But our souls will spend eternity somewhere. So it's important that we do all that we can to develop and grow spiritually. If there is no spiritual growth, then even at the zenith of our physical development, even as we function at the height 
of our intellectual capabilities, even as we achieve our maximum economic potential, there will be something missing. We will still be incomplete. There is no true fulfillment until we make spiritual growth a priority of our living. Disciples of Jesus need to make spiritual growth a higher priority than we have up to this point. We need to be immersed in prayer. We need to be disciplined in our study of God's word. We need to be more deeply involved in the ministries of our church where we can interact with fellow believers and exercise the gifts and talents that God has entrusted into our care for his glory and honor. But as I say that, let me also add that we can do all these things. We can pray and we can study and we can fellowship and still not grow spiritually if we don't submit ourselves and if we are not obedient to divine authority. Samuel reminds us that obedience is better than sacrifice. And James affirms that we should be doers of the word and not hearers only. Our text shows how Simon's act of obedience to Jesus was the spark that lit the fire of spiritual growth in his life. Jesus was just beginning his ministry. He had only recently been baptized by John in the Jordan River. He had not long come through his ordeal with Satan in the wilderness, and he was laying the foundation for a great work. Crowds were beginning to follow him wherever he went. And early one morning, as he was preparing to teach, the crowd was so large that he commandeered Simon's fishing boat and crew. He climbed in without invitation, and he told Simon to push away from the shore. And there on the water, Jesus taught the people. Now, church, let me say this parenthetically. If we want to grow spiritually, we've got to put some space between us and the crowd. Crowd mentality weakens the church. A lot of churches today are only interested in doing those things that they think will draw a crowd. They're becoming entertainment centers in the hope of drawing a crowd. Well, I want a crowd for this church too. But if I have to compromise spiritual integrity to draw a crowd, then it ain't the right crowd. 
if I have to dilute the word with superficial nonsense and false teaching designed to tickle the ear rather than prick the heart, then it ain't the right crowd. How to reach the masses, men of every birth. For an answer, Jesus gave the key. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. If we want to get closer to Jesus, then we must be willing to abandon a crowd mentality. Jesus got away from the crowd. He got into Simon's boat and told him to push off from the shore. And there he taught the people. And when he finished teaching, he turned to Simon and gave him another directive. Go out into deep water. Let the nets down so that you can catch some fish. Simon had never seen Jesus before. So I'm sure he felt like this man was imposing on him. Simon was a fisherman by trade. He didn't fish for recreation. He didn't fish for relaxation. But he made his living by what he was able to bring out of the water. As a businessman, Simon had expenses to consider. Every time he launched out with a crew, it cost him money. And the only way he could recover his loss was to catch fish. The kind of fishing that Simon did was physically demanding work. It wasn't done with a pole and a line, but he had to handle heavy fishing nets. He had to manually row a heavy boat filled with people out into the water, often against the incoming current. And on top of everything else, Simon had just come into shore after being out all night and he had not caught anything. He was physically drained. He was mentally fatigued. He was emotionally frustrated. But to Simon's credit, he recognized something special in the call of Jesus that made him forget everything else and do what Jesus said. Hear what he tells Jesus. Master, we've worked hard all night long, and we haven't caught anything. And I need to tell you, I wasn't too happy when you just stepped into my boat and started telling me what to do. But I've been listening to your teaching. 
and I sense that there's something special about you. So because you say so, I will let down the nets. Church, you may be tired today. You may be emotionally distraught. You may be at the end of your rope. But I stopped by to let you know that there is hope for you if you lay everything else aside and do what the Lord said do. What did Simon have to lay aside? First, he laid aside his intellect and his experience. It's good to be intelligent, and it's good to have experience. But we must not let intelligence and experience hinder our faith walk. A lot of people today think they know too much to turn things over to Jesus. They think that because they're experts in their chosen field, that their intellect and their experience in those areas put them on par with Jesus. Well, let me help you with that. Jesus knows more than you know about everything that you think you know. And unless you're willing to lay what you know aside and let Jesus be in charge, you're gonna miss out on something wonderful. Simon was an intelligent fisherman. He knew his craft. He knew the best fishing spots. He knew the best times to cast out his nets. And he had used all of his experience last night and had not caught anything. And I'm sure his experience told him that it didn't make any sense to go back out right now. But he moved past his intellect and his experience. And he said, if the master says so, then I'm going to do it his way instead of my way. Somebody needs to hear me today. Because what Jesus says is not making sense to you. Somebody is thinking, I've done things my way. I've utilized all of my intellect and all of my experience. And I just don't see any point in turning things over to Jesus. But I stopped by to tell you, if you really want to grow, growth begins by saying no to you and saying yes to Jesus. Growth begins by saying no to your way and telling Jesus, I'll do it because you said so. Then more than intellect and experience, Simon laid aside his feelings. Simon was 
tired. He'd been out all night long. He was frustrated because he hadn't caught anything. And he was probably at the end of his patience with Jesus. I can imagine Simon was thinking, man, you've gone too far now. You've overstayed your welcome. Everybody else has washed their nets, and they've gone home. But I'm still out here messing around with you. I'm tired, and I'm ready to get some sleep. But you keep coming after me, and you keep giving me something else to do. But I'm glad that Simon laid his feelings aside and did what the Lord said do. Shiloh, I stopped by to tell you, be careful of your feelings because feelings will get you into trouble. Feelings will tell you that you've done enough. Feelings will tell you that you need to look out for just you and yours. Somebody here this morning is wrestling with how they feel about Jesus. Sometimes I feel like I've gone too far. Sometimes I feel like he asks way too much of me. Sometimes I feel like he needs to leave me alone and go mess with somebody else. Well, if you feel like that, let me help you one more time. While I'm on my way to heaven, let me tell you, if you lay you aside and if you make up your mind that you're going to do what the Lord said do, something wonderful will happen in your life. That's what happened with Simon. He laid his feelings aside. He laid his intellect and his experience aside. And he decided that no matter the cost, he was going to do what Jesus said do. And the Bible said, when he obeyed Jesus, Jesus changed his situation. Simon caught so many fish that the nets began to break. Simon caught so many fish that there wasn't enough room to bring them in. Church, I'm closing now. But I want you to know that if you would do what Simon did, if you would lay your stuff aside, if you're willing to lay self aside, if you're willing to lay pride aside, if you're willing to lay intellect aside, if you're willing to lay experience aside, if you're willing to move away from the crowd 
and do what Jesus say, then something wonderful is going to happen in your life. He's able to change your situation. He's able to meet your need. He's able to help you when others around you are falling. He's able to make your enemies your footstool. He's able to keep food on your table. He's able to keep clothes on your back. He's able to keep money in your pocket. He's able to make rough places plain. He's able to make crooked places straight. He's able to turn your whole life around. I don't know who you trusting in, but my trust is in Jesus. He's my heart fixer. He's my burden bearer. He's my mind regulator. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's able, 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 able. And it ain't going to be because it makes sense to you. It's going to be just because he said so. He'll tell you to do some crazy stuff, like love your enemy and bless those who curse you and do good to them that hate you. He'll tell you to do some crazy stuff, like turn the other cheek and walk the second mile. He'll tell you to do some crazy stuff but if you trust him, if you trust him, if you trust him, if you lean on him, if you depend on him, he's able, 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 able. Choir's gonna sing a hymn. Deacons are coming across, ministers are coming. Turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. There's none like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you, there's none like you, say water you turned into wine, water you turned into wine, open the eyes of the blind, open the eyes of the blind, there is no Into the 
darkness you shine out of the ashes we rise out of the ashes we rise there is no Say hi. Uh-huh. 